When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour, the final hour of the week, means it's time for the VolQuest Power Hour. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. We hope you'll follow the show on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook Live. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you for subscribing. You can find the Outkick 360 podcast wherever you download your podcast. You can find Brent Hubbs and Austin Price at VolQuest.com, the best Tennessee Vols coverage is at VolQuest.com. Love having them on weekly for Outkick 360. Brent, Austin, great to have you back on. Hope you're doing well. What's been a newsworthy week for sure? Hutton, you did not mention hieroglyphics nor carrier pigeon in the ways they can watch this show. Um, <laughs> you know, But it has been an eventful week, Brent. Uh, the basketball team remains on a heater as they just continue the positive momentum. And hey, Tennessee football, finally broke through with a couple of commitments. So, uh, you know, it's been a, a busy week. Well, and for basketball, I mean, here's everybody wants to know what the transfer portal looks like, how this is going to work. I mean, the fact in that sport you can flip your roster uh, through either a reclassification, as they did with, with, with uh, Hatley Hutfield, um, or Hutley Hatfield, excuse me, um, and, and then they did it with the, the, you know, getting the commitment that they got from the kid from Marquette who got out of his letter transfer portal. I mean, you can completely revamp. It's like the Florida Marlins fire sale, right? I mean, you can sell off what you got, and then the next thing you know, next year you could be a championship contender um, going that way. That's what college basketball is emerging into, and it's been a wild week for Tennessee. They are such a different-looking basketball team right now than they were 72 hours ago or, or certainly last week when we were on this show. Uh, it's got a total different momentum, total different vibe about them right now. Fulkerson is back. Let's start there for the Tennessee Volunteers on the hardwood. Guys, take us through the decision and and just how everything laid out this offseason for him to return. Well, Brent, I, I think ultimately he was headed elsewhere. I mean, I think he was going to either give up the game or explore something overseas. Uh, when, he, when he kissed the floor and patted the tee on senior day, I, I think he was done. And then the SEC tournament happened. And, and, and pain knocked him out, and you, you heard it in the video. Like, you know, not being able to, to finish under his own power on his own terms, I think that just weighed on him. And, you know, the chance to come back and just continue to cement something, um, I think was, was a big determining factor. What say you, Brent? Yeah, I know. I agree with you. And I think the other thing, too, is the, what they've added to the roster. He's got help, right? I mean, he's got a, he's got a, a five-star point guard who can distribute the basketball – He's got a rim protector around him with size. Uh, they, they, they got, you know, Brandon yesterday, who's a 6'9 power forward, who's going to be able to score and do some things with you. So suddenly he's not the only post option. So maybe he doesn't get double teamed every possession down the floor when he touches the ball. And I just think at the end of the day we're John, with John, the way it ended uh, was not the way he wanted it to end. And, and I think deep down John knows whenever he puts the Tennessee uniform in the closet, for the last time, it's probably the last time he plays basketball. I don't know that John has a real interest in playing overseas. I don't think the NBA is a, a realistic long-term option for him. I do think he'll end up in coaching. And I just don't think he wanted to go out with going, what if? You know, I don't think he wanted to be 25, 26 years old and go, what if? What if I'd have done it one more year? What would that have been like? So I think that's the ultimate reasons why he came back. The view for honesty. Did you make it all the way through his three-minute uh, social media video? I did. I had my AirPods in. I took my wife to uh, lunch today for her birthday. So I was waiting on her to get there. So I, I didn't think I was going to be able to watch it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I got my AirPods. So I put them in, and, and I did make it through the three minutes. I, when I saw the length of it, I'm like, man, normally these things are like 50 seconds to a minute 20. And I'm like, three minutes. Um, but, yeah, I did make it all the way through. 
Let's go player by player uh, with the addition to Tennessee basketball. It's amazing the, the uh, state of Tennessee athletics we're in right now that we're eight days away from the orange and white game and all the news uh, for the most part has been basketball uh, this week. But Jonas Idu, the seven-footer from North Carolina, you guys had a great tidbit in the war room today that the top player in North Carolina, the North Carolina Tar Heels screwed their chances with him possibly because they canceled a Zoom meeting with him the day that he ended up committing to Tennessee. Uh, that was a, a great tidbit. And how big of a get is this literally and figuratively for Tennessee pulling I do out of the state of North Carolina? Austin, let's start with you on this one. Well, I mean, I think it's big. I mean, I, I, is he potentially a one and done? I guess maybe, but he seems like more of maybe at least a, a two-year guy. Um, you know, he, he is a rim protector. He's got a solid game. His game is different than Brandon Huntley Hatfield Brent, which means I, I think that they, you know, can each give a little something different. They, they're not the, the exact same guy where only one can be on the floor at the same time. Huntley Hatfield can handle the ball, can, can, can drive, can, uh, you know, distribute to others. Um, and Adu is, is a guy that, you know, ultimately um, is going to be a guy that really, you know, manhandles the paint, at least Tennessee hopes so. So, um, I, I think anytime you can dip into North Carolina and get a really quality player, especially one that's ranked as high as Adu was, I think it's a big thing for Tennessee. Well, they look, Rick Barnes said it at the end of the season, guys. We, we got to fix the post, okay? And EJ Anasicki was not the right answer. Corey Walker was not the right answer. Previous post players they signed end up transferring elsewhere. They have not recruited very well in the post the last two or three years. Uh, it's just not gone well. They've either been bad fits or they haven't lived up to their billing or whatever the case may be. They had to go get size. They had to go get help. Um, and, and so now you got a guy who's reclassifying, who's a, who's a point forward, okay, in Huntley Hatfield, who's a game changer for you. But then you're asking about a do specifically. And the thing about him is it is his defense. It is his ability to protect the rim, the ability to rebound the basketball. I think he can score, but he's not going to put it on the floor and do those things. He is a post-paint player, and I think Tennessee needs that presence. And I think Rick Barnes made it clear at the end of the season he was going to get it. He was going to go find that presence wherever he could go find it in the transfer portal. And it just happens that he hired a coach from Marquette who had recruited him because Des Oliver left, and all of a sudden here – uh, is, is a dude just kind of sitting in their lap. And then North Carolina made it really easy. North Carolina would have gotten interesting if they'd have done a better job because he grew up, I think, like in North Carolina. They didn't recruit him when he went to Marquette. They need help in the post. And then here's out of the gate, brand new coaching staff uh, with a big time fumble. And Tennessee capitalized on it in a hurry. You need all these pieces everywhere, guys. You know, so the, the post presence and, and the kind of the revamping in, in the paint is big. But at the end of the day, what's really going to make this team good is exactly what Tennessee football is hoping they can find is a trigger man. The trigger man is Kennedy Chandler. And for as much, you know, as, as Keon Johnson gave Tennessee and, and Jaden Springer, Kennedy Chandler is, an, is a pass-first point guard who has all kinds of offensive game if he needs it. And he distributes it well, and now he's got different options to distribute to, whether it be Powell out on the wing, you know, Victor Bailey, who, again, when he's on, he's really, really good. Um, on, on the wing, the help in the post, Fulkerson. So, like, you know, to me, like, all these nice additions are needed for Tennessee to contend, but ultimately having a true point guard helps them as much as anything. The, the class top to bottom, and, and we'll get into that now. And, and, Austin, you mentioned Justin Powell. You've got four top 60 players nationally. They're probably going to add another seven-footer in this class in Hamba from right there in Knoxville Catholic. Looking at what they did a year ago, did Tennessee just stack what was a year ago the best recruiting class in basketball history? And now this year, I think they're currently number two in the nation behind Michigan. Is this now, at least on paper, when you look at the stars and the national rankings, the greatest Tennessee recruiting class in, in the history of that basketball program? Well, on paper, yeah, I think you look at it that way, you know, when you talk about stars. Now, the proof will come in the pudding, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, Bernard, you know, Bernard King and Ernie Grunfeld were pretty good <laughs> when, you, when you look at what happened. I mean, that's an NBA Hall of Famer uh, in, in Bernard King. But uh, on paper, with, with everything, you know, rankings and all that stuff, yeah, certainly. I, I think what's going to be interesting is how Rick Barnes manages this team compared to how he managed last year's team. Last year's team had some veterans, and then you had the two newcomers, freshmen, 
you went through COVID year, you didn't have the summer development that you normally have. And he almost kind of eased Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer into the lineup. Okay. And, and he was, you know, he'd get frustrated with them. They'd make a mistake. He'd yank them out and pull them out and, and all this other stuff. I think he's going to give Kennedy Chandler the ball June 1st when Kennedy Chandler arrives on campus. I think he's going to hand him the ball and say, hey, you're the engineer of this team. You're the quarterback. Okay, let's go to work and get ready to go. So I think that because they're going to be so young, there's not going to be as much of a try to blend it in type deal. I think you're going to see a huge youth movement right out of the gate for this basketball team. They'll be growing pains early but it's going to be really fun to see where this team is come January, February next year. Uh, for the purposes of this question, I'm going to take Fulkerson out of this. I'm going to treat him like a bonus since he's coming back. Uh, of the returning guys on this roster, and there's not many of them, take Josiah Jordan-James out of it, who is a glue guy who we know is a former five-star player who's going to be big for, for this next year team and how they grow. Who's the most important returning player for Tennessee? Is it Viscovi? Is it VJ Bailey? Who is the key cog that's coming back next year for this Tennessee squad? Brent, let's start with you on this one. I'm going to take Bailey because Bailey has the ability to put the ball in the basket. They've just got to get Bailey more consistent. Viscovi is a guy that um, is a little, is maddening to me because he leaves his feet. He, he tries to do stuff that he really can't do. He, to me, his best productivity is to be a stand, you know, a, a spot-up shooter on the wing somewhere. I think Powell can do that. Bailey is a guy who athletically should be able to play defense better than he did this year. He'll have to commit to that. But he's also a guy who can get to the rim, the free throw line. He can hit a 15-foot jump shot when he's committed to doing those things. So I'm going to take Bailey because I think he will help open up the floor because of his ability to do multiple things on the offensive end of the floor, unlike Muscovy. I'm going to agree, and here's why. Because I think the biggest thing is, can you get him harnessed in as not a volume shooter, but a, a, a quality shooter within the framework of the offense? Because at times last year, he would be a volume shooter and, you know, would just shoot, shoot, shoot. And when he was on, again, like South Carolina, he was dynamite. But when he was off, he would almost shoot Tennessee into trouble. So I, I go with, with Victor Bailey, and his ability to get to the foul line and make free throws is something that you, you just can't appreciate enough at any level of basketball, especially in crunch time. So I think having him as a guy who's experienced, that can put the ball in the hole and can make free throws in crunch time, it, I just go that route. It's hard to look at any of the, the posts that haven't played and think that they're going to be a real factor. Price with us for the VolQuest Power Hour on Outkick 360. Coming up, we will get into the spring game, which is now a week away in Knoxville. Expectations for Heupel's group as we get near to the the orange and white kickoff. And plus, Paul, maybe a little baseball discussion. Is there change coming on the horizon for, for the wrong reasons, losing because of success? We'll get into that and more, and we'll find out which golf course Austin Price is repping today on the VolQuest Power Hour on OutKick 360. Austin Price and Brent Hubs from VolQuest.com with us for the VolQuest Power Hour here on OutKick 360. They join us each and every Friday. Guys, let's start with football for this segment. Orange and white game just around the corner now to wrap up the spring, but we, we know it's official of the, the one-time transfer across the, the college sports landscape, but specifically for football, Brent, let's start with you on this. How much can Heupel use this to his advantage moving forward for the current roster and how he wants to shape immediate needs? does he feel like he needs, okay? I mean, where, where is he at quarterback? Do they feel like they need another quarterback? I, I think linebacker makes the most sense, obviously, because they have no depth there, okay? Do they need an offensive tackle? Dane Davis is a walk-on who's had an unbelievable spring. Has he done enough to where you go, you know what? Maybe we don't need an offensive tackle. You know, maybe we can get by with what we have at the tackle position. The other thing, too, and I've mentioned this multiple times, is where are they with the NCAA? Do you want to – Self, you know, self-imposed and say, you know what? We gave away three scholarships in the, and we've already back counted and, and docked ourselves three scholarships to try to get that moving forward. 
So I think there's a lot of different ways that Josh Heupel can, can go with this. There's a lot of guys in the portal that aren't good enough, okay, unfortunately. And I think that's going to – there's going to be a lot of kids learn some painful lessons, Austin, from the fact that they've gone in and the, the phone's not ringing. The other question, I, Austin, I have is you, – you, you use this phrase a lot, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is there somebody out there that's going to mean one or two wins for you that you justify taking that transfer – are you better served holding that scholarship to try to build for your roster in the coming years in recruiting when you got more time? Oh, I couldn't agree more. You go back to Jimmy Pruitt's first year. Do you think he wishes he had taken Keller Crist and Madre London? I bet your hindsight says no. And uh, so I, I, I agree. I think if you, if you're taking somebody, you can't just taking a body to take a body is, is why? You, you can you can feel you know if, if, unless you're taking an offensive tackle that you know is going to give you something on the field why take one because I mean I, I think Dane Davis will be serviceable enough for you um, you know and, and to go along with Cade Mays to go along with Darnell Wright um, you know they need more than three tackles I'll be the first to acknowledge that I, I just ultimately think that you know you hit the nail on the head unless you're going to take somebody that's going to be able to get on the field and help you. And you go back, Chris really didn't. He was forced into action because JG got hurt. And then Amadre London saw garbage time. Those two kids were two scholarships that, that, you know, end up coming back to hurt Tennessee the following year um, when they weren't able to finish things, uh, certain things in the classroom and Tennessee couldn't take any grad transfers the following year. Curious, uh, maybe a two-part question here for both of you. How often do you glance at the transfer portal? Uh, because I, I'm sure it, it just it can really bog down with all these names. We know there's roughly 1,400 names for basketball. How many are there out there for college football? And have you heard names from UCF at all right now? I don't glance. I don't want my IP address uh, to be followed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what the NCAA said yesterday? They're going to follow. They're going to figure out who's give who's giving out passwords and. I try to stay to, off the grid. Yeah, they're going to try to crack down on that or whatever. You know, it it it's one of those things where I mean, you when it first got going, you really you really tracked it a lot, okay. And then you started looking and you, you know you looked at some of these names and you cross referenced who they were and you looked and they you know the, in their career they had played in three games in three seasons and and you know they had. 64 yards rushing or whatever and so the big names you know about via social media because they put their stuff out there um but again i I think that anybody who thinks you're going to go and get rich in the transfer portal in football i think is mistaken because you you require more bodies basketball is different one guy can make a total difference quarterback's the most important thing in the transfer portal outside of that you know yeah I don't know that there's enough guys that you look at and go, okay, we're going to win two more games because we're taking this guy out of the portal. Basketball is different because of the impact of one player. Um, and as for the Central Florida stuff, I don't anticipate anybody – I don't anticipate Tennessee involved in anybody from Central Florida. You've talked a little bit about personnel on this roster and who's most equipped to run what Josh Heupel wants to run. Maybe wide receiver, the best group that's capable – of running the style of offense that he wants. I want to ask specifically about the offensive line because we've talked about it a little bit today. Is this a group that they're confident can play as fast as they want to play? And when you just look at them physically, is this that it's, I know it's not ultimately that the, the exact offensive line Josh Heupel will recruit, but in terms of fitting them into what he wants to do, are they capable of doing that? Austin, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, they are confident uh, in this group. Um, not a ton of depth there, but I think they really like where they are from guard to guard, and I think that they feel like that their tackles are coming along to be solid. You know, I don't think that they feel great about it, but I don't think they're, you know, terrified of them either. So, in, in my mind, yeah, I think they feel like that the offensive line can be a really solid piece to this football team. And, again, the defense, we, we all know what they are right now a work in progress, down several key bodies. Um, but, you know, in, in almost every practice, the offensive line has been able to do some solid things against the defensive line that, you know, are they great? I don't know about that, Brent, but they are experienced nonetheless. So the offensive line able to move uh, some stuff in the run game, able to protect in the, in the throw game, 
one would think that, you know, they're doing it against probably tennis, the best part of Tennessee's defense, that being the defensive line. Well, it's a defensive line that's certainly had their struggles in the spring, but they are experienced. They got some bodies there. And, and I think this offensive line's got some confidence. And here's the thing about the offensive line. Your offensive line's only as good as what your quarterback can do and what your running back can do. Okay. A, a, an offense, a, a really great running back can make an offensive line look a lot better than what they are. Okay. An average running back can make a great offensive line look pretty average. Same thing at the quarterback position. Quarterback holds on to the ball too long. You know, it makes the offensive line look pretty weak. Gets it out of his hands quick enough. Suddenly that offensive line's not nearly as bad as, as you thought that they would. So, uh, I think this offensive line is going to be fine. Are they going to be dominant? No. Are they going to ask them to be dominant? I don't think so. I don't think you're going to see a bunch of pulling guards and, you know, they're not going to come up and try to road grade people. They're going to play a lot of zone stuff. They want to get the ball out of their hands quickly at the quarterback spot. And then they want running backs to, to run, you know, a lot of zone stuff and a lot of zone read stuff at it, which can take some of the physicality away from the, from the offensive line. Not saying you don't have to be physical, but it's a different type of physicality than when you break out of the huddle and you say, hey, we're going to pull guards and run with a lead ISO and, and go downhill at somebody like that. Much about this, but I'm always uh, intrigued by changes like this. Uh, you had that Rachel Fister um, is, is gone as their nutritionist and Ethan Bauer is in. And I'm always curious about moves in departments like this if it, if it marks – a philosophical change or if it's just a subtle takeover uh, with things staying the same because if it is a big philosophical change uh, menus are changing what guys eat are changing um, and if you know anything there that's that's an interesting thing well I don't think it's a major philosophical change I mean there's only so many ways you can eat healthy right I mean at, at some point in time you know, it, it kind of is what it is that way. I mean, a lot of this is about recovery. Do what? Can somebody tell me some of those ways? <laughs> well, they're not sir. They're not serving. They're they're not near. They're not serving nearly as many French fries as you would like to have Austin oh. Price after practice or at supper time. I can promise you that. Uh, but you know, I think this is. I, th I think this is about a um, a coach getting his people in. Okay, it's the same way with a strength coach, right? There's some. There's some subtle differences in philosophies, but everybody's, you know, core explosion. That's what everybody's kind of doing the same Olympic type stuff in weightlifting, but everybody's got a little different slant on it. So I think this is a situation where Josh Heupel uh, has brought in somebody that he knows that he's comfortable with. I don't think it's a sign that Rachel Fister did a bad job by any means. I think it's a coach wanting to get his people in and creating his, his department and, and kind of his philosophies with everything. But I don't think if you go and poll the players in three months, I don't think they're going to tell you three things that are significantly different between how previous nutrition stuff was done compared to current nutrition. Oh, stuff. Those peanut butter milkshakes by Ethan, so much better than Rachel Fister. <laughs> he uses Jeff instead of, instead of Peter Pan. Let's, uh, let's talk some Cruton with Tennessee football. And uh, two guys uh, committed this week, Elijah Herring from Riverdale and Murfreesboro and, and Vincent Sneed. What can you tell us about the, the first two additions for Josh Heupel in this class? Well, Elijah Herring, uh, first off, is a, a great kid. Uh, love talking to him. Uh, very intelligent, comes from a good family. And, and honestly, I, I think really has his best football ahead of him. Um, you know, what is he though? Is he a middle linebacker? Is he a guy that can put his hand on the ground if he, you know, bulks up? I don't think, you know, Elijah's going to have trouble adding muscle. And I mean, he's already built really, really well now. And, uh, you know, I think when he gets in a college weight room, he's only going to, uh, grow and, and expand. So, you know, I'll be interested to see where he plays in college, but I think he's a, he's a great program guy can play multiple positions on the defense, I believe. And, uh, you know, I think will be a really, really solid piece for Josh Heupel and, 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 the, and his defense and Tim Banks' defense. Also defensively, you know, uh, Vincent Sneed, um, defensive lineman that Rodney Garner kind of, you know, really started picking up, you know, when he got on campus uh, a couple months ago, has built that relationship. Vincent was going to do something in May, bumped it up, decided to go uh, – uh, yesterday, and uh, and all of a sudden, Tennessee's now got two commitments after having zero for the first 
60 days or so uh, of Josh Heupel's tenure. So finally kind of, you know, broke through the ceiling a little bit and we'll see if they can pick up any more. I think if they can get one more before things open up in June, I think that would be really solid. Let's face it, Tennessee's uh, facing uh, some difficulties that the program's never faced before, especially in recruiting, just with the uncertainty of the over, over the investigation, the current NCAA dead period that which still has 45 days or so left on it. Um, so, you know, I think Tennessee needs to just hold on for the next 45 days, get to June, be able to have camps, be able to have visitors, unofficial visitors, official visitors, and uh, and then let the chips fall where they may. Because right now, I you know, Jason Swain asked me the other day on his show, is it fair – you know, because the Wade twins are going to announce later today, probably not going to be Tennessee. Um, is it fair to, to judge Heupel on, on, on where the Wades go? And I said, I think it's fair if you're a Tennessee fan and you're concerned. I don't think it's fair to judge the staff until you can have people on campus and they can adequately recruit. Right now, it, you can, there's only so much you can do on Zoom. I know other staffs are having to, to, to battle this too, but at the same time, they're not battling it with the uncertainty over an NCAA investigation because right now, I hear from from kids all the time. Colleges are telling these prospects Tennessee's getting three years, four years. Oh, there's going to be so many years of without a bowl. Maybe that's going to be the case, but nobody knows. Tennessee doesn't know. Certainly none of these other schools know. And so, you know, Tennessee, until it kind of gets some kind of resolution on that, is going to be battling that out there in recruiting. Tennessee gets a three-year bowl ban, then LSU should disband their university. Uh, in basketball, that is ridiculous that someone would actually believe that Tennessee set for a three or four year postseason ban based on the allegations. Know, yeah, I guess I'll ask this: Can Tennessee coaches uh, do a better job of telling them that's absolutely not going to be the case? I mean, I think Tennessee could pretty easily come back and tell them we're not getting three years. Now, you might not know if it's one. I don't think it's going to be more than one, but you can say, look, there might be a one year postseason ban, but it's absolutely not going to be three years. Or is Tennessee so terrified of the NCAA based on their history with the NCAA that they can't even say that to the kids right now? Well, I think you can say it, okay, but, but then it comes back to, you know, who are you going to believe? You know, what, what's the kid going to believe? I mean, you, you know, nobody knows for sure, right? But is it going to be that a kid believes a Tennessee coach that he's talked to, that he started talking to for the first time middle of January, who's been on Tennessee's campus 60 days? Or is it going to be a guy that's been recruiting him from another school since he was in the ninth or 10th grade that he's got a much deeper relationship with? So, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's obviously trying to combat that in every way that they can, but they, I mean, they don't have any evidence to the contrary. Um, the same way the other schools don't have any evidence that it's going to be that kind of bowl ban. I'm with you. It's not going to be that long, but that's just something that you have to battle. And, and again, kids, you know, a lot of times kids believe a lot of crazy stuff, right? I mean, that's just that's just the way it is and, and, and the way it goes about. So uh, th these people aren't following what LSU's doing compared to what Tennessee's doing and, and all those things to look at it. They're just kind of listening to sometimes who's screaming the topest that you know, or screaming the loudest at the top of the hill. We set bars, right? Expectations for for recruiting and, and wins, losses. Is there an expectation for what they expect here from the NCAA internally? What what have you guys heard there on maybe even privately what they actually think might happen versus what everyone's speculating on right now? Well, here's what they're hoping. They're hoping that the NCAA takes a little favor with them because they've been so cooperative. They've allowed the NCAA to be a part of their internal investigation and stuff and, and let them set in on those interviews. They, you know, on the Zoom call, the NCAA heard the interview with Jeremy Pruitt, right? So that they've been involved in it. Tennessee has kept them in the loop. Tennessee's had conversations kind of off the record, if you will, with the NCAA. I, I think they had some conversations with them when they were up there for the NCAA tournament just to try to see things. Tennessee is hoping the way they have handled it will play uh, some favor to them. The problem is they got to get the investigation done first. They're, they're still talking to people. I mean, I forgot to put this in the war room, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this nugget and I'll drop it on the message board in, in a few minutes. In the month of February, the uh, law firm that Tennessee hired out of Kansas City charged Tennessee almost $93,000 to work in the month of February. That's after Jeremy Pruitt had been gone for three weeks and they still 
are, are billing $93,000 because they're still doing work. I mean, they're up to almost three, between three and $400,000 that they've billed and an investigation that nobody on campus can tell you is ending or when it's going to end. That's the problem with this right now is you got to get to the finish line with everything you're digging on before you can ever get to a point where you say, here's what we're going to self-impose and the and ask the NCAA off the record. Hey guys, if we do this, are we going to be good? But before you can get to that, you got to close everything out and know exactly what you got. And apparently that's not the case because that law firm is still working and still billing. Which is, which is exactly why I think it's so important to do what Brent said earlier um, in the hour. And that is, if you need uh, if you need to take a transfer quarterback, you got to get that position right. But I don't know if I would take anybody else. I would I would I would offer up the sacrifice of some of these scholarships from that twenty one class as kind of a, a you know a look ahead to save some for you know classes that you know your your staff's going to be more involved in. I mean twenty two Tennessee was already behind there when they got here. That's why I think twenty three is going to be the, a real measuring stick for where they are um, as a staff because they're going to have ample time with that group. Um, but so, yeah, I think, you know, being able to get to a point where you can self-impose and offer up some of the stuff that, you know, let's face it. I mean, if Tennessee takes some people that on, on those scholarships from 21, you could back count and take more in this current class. But at the end of the day, you, I would rather have quality over quantity. Any $333 tickets did each of you buy for UT Vanderbilt baseball? And are the Vols going to be able to hold on to Tony Vitello in the long run here uh, if people come calling? Well, I mean, Tennessee's going to go half capacity, uh, 50% capacity this weekend in, in Lindsey Nelson Stadium, uh, which is the biggest and, and will be the largest crowd that they've had for any series to this point. So they are steadily improving their numbers there. Uh, but obviously, this is a, a, a high-profile matchup that's drawing a lot of interest. I have not spent $333 on a ticket. Um, that's, and that's not that because I hate the sport of baseball, but I'm not spending $330 on a ticket. Um, You'd do that for the Masters, though, wouldn't you, Brent? No. Um, I don't think so. Maybe this last Masters because there was nobody there, and I could have got really close to everybody. But I'm not paying – $400 to be 12 deep on a Sunday afternoon in Augusta when I can watch it on HG on my HD TV and, and, and listen to Jim Nance and Sir Nick Faldo tell me what to do. All right, back to Tony Vitello. Um, you know, I think it's going to be, I think Danny White's going to have an interesting dilemma potentially on his hands here. Um, Tony Vitello's done a fantastic job at Tennessee. They are fourth in the country. Um, there are going to be some other schools calling. I mentioned this in the war room. If Texas A&M makes a change, I would think Tony Vitello would be right near or at the top of the list um, for Texas A&M. He he's got te Texas ties. That Arkansas roster that's done well the last few years, Vitello helped assemble with a lot of Texas kids that he recruited. Uh, Tony Vitello is going to make about $650,000 this year. Um, you know, I think he's going to command a million dollars from other multiple schools that will be out there. I think he's going to want his staff salary pool increased. Uh, his pitching coach, I think, is um, about middle of the pack in the SEC in salary, and I think he's one of the best pitching coaches, if not the best pitching coach in the SEC. And then you have the facilities issue as well. And Tennessee's facilities are vastly lower than the rest of the SEC. And Tony Vitello's been promised some stuff since he's been here. He hasn't got anything done because he's now on his third AD in four years. And so the challenge is going to be, can you commit to something from a facility standpoint um, to, to get him to, to say, hey, I'm, I'm committed to being at Tennessee a long time. Danny White's going to have, have some early decisions to make and some early things he's going to have to do, I think, with Tony Vitello if this baseball team continues to have success. And I think they've had enough success that he's going to draw interest from some other places. You conducted an interview with Vincent Sneed, who just committed to Tennessee, and Sneed was shirtless uh, for the entire interview. <clears throat> Is this the first shirtless interview you've done? <laughs> New trend. And by the way, this interview prompted one of my uh, Tennessee buddies to text me with a screenshot of that and just say, we back uh, with the player doing a shirtless interview <laughs> with you after he committed to Tennessee. Um, as the kids would say, Vincent Sneed has the drip. Um, you know, you know, I, he, he oozes confidence and, and a big personality. Um, 
if his game is 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 half as good as uh you know just kind of you know the way he carries himself i mean tennessee's getting a player um at, listen at 8 30 in the morning i wasn't telling the kid hey put a shirt on i was just trying to get it done get it out and and and, and whatever i knew I, when I saw him sitting there, I'm like, man, this is going to be a trip. But he's got a gold chain around his neck. He's sitting. I, I, I was like, aren't you supposed to be in school? And he goes, I'm taking the day off since I committed. <laughs> hey, I t- Tennessee's got a history now. They had a player years ago commit in the hot tub with um, a, a plethora of women around him in the tub. Um, didn't turn out to be a player. I have done commitment interviews from – uh, kids working at the Sonic while they were making a brown bag special. Uh, I interviewed Fred White when he committed at the Spearmint Mall Little Caesars in Griffin, Georgia. Um, so what you do is you just get them whenever they're willing to do it, and I'm with Austin. Hey, man, it's you. You be you, whatever you want to do, partner, just as long as you give me some quotes and let's roll. Spearmint Mall. Make them no, feel more no, comfortable. No, 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 no. Spearmint Mall is better than the Spearmint Rhino. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for some. Hey, so my takeaway recruit being shirtless was how old he looks. Like, you you guys get the same sense? Like, he doesn't look like he should be a recruit right now? Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's – a lot of people say that's a good sign, right? He doesn't look like a little kid, right? So he looks like he's ready to play. So – you know, we'll look. I mean, who knows what this guy's going to turn into or, or not turn into? But he he looks the part. He carries himself with the bravado that he can play, and 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 we'll find out what he can do when he can, when he can get here. But no, he does not look like a seventeen year old. Um, that that is for sure. Some of the NFL draft picks in these mock drafts. I mean, he, he look he does he looks the part, and that's what Chad and I were discussing yesterday off air about the text. The guys like we're back, and they're like, yeah, that all the signs point to this guy being. Uh, oh, it's we back, just no, we, we back. We back. Yeah. That's all. That was the that was the sole response. Hey, uh, final thing for you guys. I, I'm curious. Do you think this Tennessee coaching staff is facing any more sense of pressure? Uh, about the same sense of pressure with that May 1st transfer deadline coming up with the with the spring game coming up? Do they need to do certain things to continue re-recruiting players? Or is every staff doing that right now? I think every staff's doing that right now. It's all about self-reflection. I mean, you're, you're trying to figure out, Brent, where, where you need help, you know, where you can, you know, get help from if you need it. And, uh, and then, you know, again, Tennessee's battling the fact that, you know, most likely they won't be going to a bowl game. So if you're, a, you know, in the transfer portal and you're picking Tennessee, to me it's solely based on the fact you can get on the field and you weren't getting on the field at your previous stop. And so, you know, when you look at the transfer portal, Brent mentioned something similar earlier, 85 90% of these kids weren't playing at the, the school they were at before, which is why they're on the move. And then about 10 or 15% are – really good players that it just didn't work out for either because, you know, they were, you know, at a position where only one could play and they had multiple guys or, or other off the field factors. And, and I think for the current, for the current team in terms of how Josh Heupel has to deal with that, if a guy comes to him and says, Hey, I want to leave or, or whatever. I mean, I think Josh Heupel's kind of laid a little bit of a foundation out there that says, Hey, you either want to be with us or you don't. I'm not saying they're not going to, you know, ask a guy to stay or try to talk him into staying. But I don't know that they're just going to be begging either because the thing that you got to remember, and this is hard for Tennessee fans because they're tired of hearing this talk, but this rebuild is a marathon, not a sprint, okay? I mean, look, you get right quarterback play, you look at their schedule, can they win six, seven football games? Absolutely. But to quote, we back, to borrow your phrase that, that your buddy sent you, it, it, you ain't going to be back in 12 months. Okay, this it was a joke, by the way. This guy knows over. that Tennessee is not back. <laughs> right, but, yes, yeah. but, but, but it's, it's going to take time. So I don't think you want to sit there and I don't want to say be held hostage, but if a kid just says, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to be a part of this, you know what? Maybe then he's not the right fit for you to establish what you're trying to establish in your rebuild because everybody at Tennessee from Danny White down knows. This is going to take some time, and there's going to have to be some patience level with this coaching staff. 
I'm not. I'm not sure if Mike Keith will appreciate you sharing his text to you, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, look, he he loves a good shirtless interview yeah. uh, more than a lot of other people. Brent Hubbs knows that as well. He's uh, he's no, done no, some no, recruit no, interviews no, no, before, no. and uh, <laughs> when he when he sees that that uh, high school prospect shirtless, he knows that's a guy with some swag about him. When he was talking about the hot tub with all the women, he was talking about Mike Keith. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Mike Keith was across the way from him in the hot tub, the just interviewing him with a microphone. That's right. Hey, 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 Paul, put them glasses back on. Yes, sir. <laughs> there you go. What do you think? I, I think that he looks like Doug Stamper from House of Cards. That's a handsome man. Uh, a little Doug bit, Stamper's yes. a handsome man. He, uh, you are he, the Doug Stamper of Outkick 360. Thank you. Paul has several different glasses and, and options this is my favorite one uh, oh, he's a, he has like a wooden pair. i don't wear that those are the, my emergency pair oh yeah it's too many too See, many is this paul is. will also claim any bald actor is a handsome man you can just name anyone bruce willis handsome, handsome man. man doug stamper whoever handsome plays him man. handsome man all handsome do, i can, do you have, I can do you only have... imagine what your dressing room looks like before the show gets started. oh yeah the makeup can, artists can... in there they're lovely women <laughs> then you've got then you've got then you've got Kaharski's look that he does when he's like on a stakeout over at Titans practice facility, which is the Bobby Valentine look with glasses and mustache. <laughs> mustache. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. There is a guy over there that they have video of crawling through the bushes who did not do a very good job Amazing being clandestine. Video. Amazing uh, video. Uh, Austin, we mentioned this earlier. Give us the golf course you're repping today and who you're sponsored by on this visit. I'm not sponsored by anyone, but I'm repping Oakmont today. <laughs> He's repping Oakmont, but he wants it to be clear that he bought yeah. the Oakmont yeah, right, stuff. Right, he didn't right. get it. Who, who are you repping? And who are you repping in the golf shirt underneath the Oakmont pullover? <laughs> Oakmont. Atlanta Athletic Club. <laughs> Atlanta Athletic Club. Right. Yeah, that's that's a double logo. He's doubling up. I mean. Hey, hey, halfway through the show, Austin, you got to be like the NASCAR driver changing hats. Strip down. You got to you got to pull the shirt off, <laughs> and you got to rip the other golf course, the back half. Hey, if hey, you want to play both of those back courses, half. Ironically, ironically, it's Peter. All of it's Peter Millar. Of course, of course. it is. <laughs> uh, here we go. Pull your yeah. shirt down. Nobody yes. wants to see that. There we go, baby. There <laughs> we all right. go. Hey, now get a do rag. Take your shirt off, and you're the Vincent Sneed who you just interviewed. There'll <laughs> be a perfect ending to the show. I'm going Nature Boy Ric Flair from the 90s when he went down to his boxers. Yeah. Darken, that, <laughs> darken that screen quickly. He's going to start throwing it loafers, throwing loafers at us. Have you ever gotten a free item from Peter Millar? No, but I really should. I look, when I look at my closet, it's disgusting. How <laughs> much Peter Millar's in it? I don't know how you see around the Christmas trees in I there. I can see it now. Instead of Brent Hubs' VolQuest.com, it's... VolQuest presented by Peter Millar. <laughs> we would never They're get a paycheck. Smart. We'd never get a paycheck. Austin would just spend all of our profits on, on wardrobe from Peter Millar. Hey, guys, I'm going to reinvest. Give me 12 more shirts. Yeah. I, I hear they're getting into the sweatshirt business, too, there. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not going to spend that for a sweatshirt. Come on now. Guys, this is... Uh, Go He's go ahead. He's wearing his sorry. LA Gear sweatshirt. Okay. He's got his LA Gear Jordash. <laughs> Jordash. <laughs> Champion. Just let you two play it out. Play us out. Rawlings. Right. Rawlings. Yes. Thank you. you get your Reebok. Do you do you get your Reebok where you pump up pump it up on right now, Brent? No, but my nutritionist just gave me my lunch, Paul. Yeah. So what that's you got? what's on mine today. I need them to go white airhead. mystery airhead. So oh. that's my lunch for yeah. my nutritionist. Health that's food my diet. philosophy. Yeah. Next week we'll find out what the mystery was and what flavor <laughs> of airhead it was for Brent Hubs. VolQuest.com is the website. Guys, thank you as always. We, we appreciate you joining us weekly. We look forward to this. And next week we'll be previewing all things orange and white game with you. Absolutely. Thanks, Sounds guys. Good. Appreciate Thanks, it. Boys. Thanks. Brent Hubs, awesome prize. Newsworthy hour there uh, where we hit – Normally, it's hoops and football. We even got a little baseball in there. $333 a ticket. Well, let me, let me get back to what they said. And this is nothing against uh, what Austin and, and Brent said because they're telling the truth. I'm sure there are dumb coaches out there telling Tennessee recruits that they're going to be hit with a three- or four-year postseason ban. You've got to um, counter that. And maybe they are, and maybe Brent's right. They just aren't, they're going to listen to the coach they know that's been at the school that they're talking to more often. Um, Baylor University men's basketball. Their head coach covered up murder, okay? They got popped for illegal payments also on, on top of this. A whole slew of other violations. They had a one-season postseason ban. One season. They played one year also where they only had a conference-only schedule. 
one-year postseason ban, and coaches are going to tell Tennessee recruits they're going to get a three- or four-year ban, and players are going to listen to that? Sucker born every minute, Chad. I mean, that is insane. Now, I'll also say Dave Bliss got a 10-year show cause, rightfully so, for covering up murder. You know who else got a 10-year show cause? Donnie Tindall got a 10-year show cause for a minor academic scandal at a previous job at Southern Miss. So if the history with the, the NCAA in Tennessee is any lesson, then, then maybe it's going to be worse than people think. But I just don't I, – I have heard everything and seen everything that Tennessee's accused of doing. Unless they uncovered something really big in the last month with that $70,000-plus yeah. they were billed with their law firm, I just don't see this being more than at most a one-year postseason ban, a scholarship reduction, and you move on. I, now the goal for Tennessee is let's get that news out quickly sure. and make sure it's wrapped up soon. I mean, if this was another school in the SEC and Tennessee was recruiting against them, they would be pumping up the possibility of a big violation against that school. It's Tennessee has to counter it and and but convince people. But players have to be smarter than true. that. I mean, look, I get. Oh, I agree. If you don't you don't want to go to Tennessee now, fine. This is going to be a bad recruiting class. I think everybody is coming to grips with the fact this first year is going to be a struggle for Tennessee in recruiting because they're probably not going to go to a bowl this year, even if they get six wins, they're going to self-impose a bowl ban. Um, and that's, that's fine, but players don't have to listen to that. Right. No. And if you're a Tennessee coach, I mean, you could easily combat that and say, they can say whatever they want, and we are facing an uphill battle, and you can come here and help build something. But it's not going to be three- or four-year postseason. Man. That is the ridiculous. NCAA, again, especially when you're cooperative, accelerate the process and reach a conclusion so that a university that's been cooperative can get on with its life. This is this is the test. They should be close to the end, at least. This is the test for the NCAA, for Tennessee's approach moving forward for everyone. LSU, Arizona, Auburn. Feet dragging, Auburn, don't care. a little bit more cooperative, had a self-imposed penalty. Not cooperative at all with the NCAA. Meanwhile, Tennessee takes the approach of, come on in. Let's You investigate with us. We don't even know what all happened. We'll find out together. And they bring the NCAA in on the whole process. If they get hit hard by this, there is no incentive to cooperate, to cooperate with the NCAA. You keep it all in-house. You hide everything. You go LSU on it. LSU, by the way, completely hiding everything with less miles and all the accusations that went on with sexual misconduct there. They're not telling. There's no transparency rogue. there. They're not bringing in the NCAA. They're not talking to anyone. They're not doing anything. And if the NCAA hammers Tennessee at all, there's no incentive to cooperate with them ever again. And I'm saying that if I'm Tennessee. I'm telling the NCAA that moving forward. I'd, I'd be gathering it's, support it's from other schools to say to your friends at other schools. I'd say, hey, you should tell the NCAA. This is a chance for you to do exactly what you just said. Like, if you don't aren't favorable to Tennessee in the process, not in the result, but in the process here, you're encouraging more LSU and Arizonas. Absolutely. I'd have my friends around the NCAA call in and tell the NCAA that. Whisper. Uh, David Reed did some investigating, speaking of investigations. Uh, the lowest price to get in right now to Sunday's game between Tennessee and Vanderbilt is now up to $889 each. Does Lider throw on Sundays? Lider throw on Friday. Section C, row 17. There's also uh, one row uh, up, section 16, $10,000 to get in. Now, that's just someone putting their tickets up there to L see Lider throws as a joke. Saturdays. Saturdays. Uh, Rocker throws Fridays. $889 for three tickets, and that's each. Well, I mean, like it was 333. Tennessee fans are excited about anything successful right now. And they had a good basketball team, but it was a disappointing season. Football sucks right now. So they're excited about an overachieving baseball program. And there's so some Nashvillians making that drive. Well, a lot of Vandy fans go to the road games because they, they're not allowed to get into the home game because of capacity issues in Nashville. I'd be surprised if there's a huge contingent of Vandy fans buying up those tickets in Knoxville. I think that's mainly well, Tennessee they did fans Miss. drawing it up. They did for the Ole Miss game. Well, they went to the Ole Miss game because there's ten, almost eleven thousand capacity. Right, because they could get in. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Tennessee fans are letting them in on this one. Paul, final uh, wrap up of the show. Give us the the headlines from your conversation with Mike Brable. I thought a couple of interesting things. Um, I wrote a post this morning off of it about uh, the defense and change. Um, you know, I think it was an unconventional answer he gave about um, conceptual carryover. 
wants more guys who understand everything. So uh, then he gave an offensive example to start, like a wide receiver understanding all the routes that he might run a more effective route in the context of everything that's going on. So uh, somebody in the defensive front understanding better uh, the coverage um, and vice versa as a more cohesive, bigger thing, which is a challenge. You know, if you look at the defense right now, you got six new guys. So you're asking, you know, and he said it'll be different guy to guy as to how far you could take that. But I think, you know, somebody like Kevin Byard, who's been around since before him, you know, he would expect to, to have a sweeping knowledge of everything, you know, and some new young guy, less lesser, um, but something they're looking for, more conceptual understanding of the whole thing from as many people as possible, as deep as possible. Also asked about rookies getting injured so frequently during training camp. And he said, you know, he, he really kind of gritted at it. You could tell it's something that really pisses him off. Um, and said, you know, we can't control what these guys do for the five and a half weeks that they're away between the end of uh, mandatory minicamp, which will likely be in person this year if people show up, and uh, the start of training camp. And that he wishes that some of these guys would do things differently during that time, but that they can't control that and that um, I have to listen to it again, but that he seems to think that some of what they are doing or not doing during that time is leading to some of those injuries during uh, training camp that have hurt the Titans badly, right? There are a lot of rookies that have not been ready to contribute at the beginning. Back at it on Monday. Fun week. Have a great weekend. Check out FanDuel.com slash OK360 this weekend. Check out Outkick.com. Click on the merchandise tab. The merch, you can get the shirt that Chad Withrow is wearing, the shirt that I'm wearing, and much more from OutKick gear. Just click on uh, the tab at OutKick.com. Great weekend. Big thanks to the entire crew. Happy anniversary. Cheers to the hugs. Happy anniversary. Headed to dinner. Headed to dinner. Big dinner tonight. Having some salmon. Yes, that's right. Back at it Monday. Thanks for joining us. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Spend the weekend practicing, not blocking the box, and locking the locks. See ya.